0: interviewed from the modern man approach of clinical psychology and psychoanalysis. So, have something nice to drink next to you, maybe a cup of tea, have a seat, or go out for a nice walk in nature, maybe. Enjoy. In this episode that is focusing on psychology, I wanted to bring up a subject, a question even, that's the name of the episode. Do I need therapy? Which is a question that many of us probably have asked ourselves actually at one point or another. And I wanted to talk on this topic topic today because of two um, things, let's say. My personal journey to the analyst's couch, and also the moment patient starts to feel as if they should um, stop the treatment. And yes, in the clinical approach, we call them patients and it is called treatment. I want to highlight that because it is not to be taken lightly. It's instead to be dealt with sincerely. And I'll get back to that later on. There are many typical scenarios that bring us to take action. But I would even be so bold as to say that everyone comes at it from this one standpoint. Something needs to change. And once again, from the clinical perspective, we would speak of a quest. Basically, for the magic to appear, someone needs to be seeking it, right? And this is why it doesn't really work to force anyone to go into therapy. And it's also why most patients have to come to a certain age before they actually feel the quest or start seeking. I would say even that we set out on a quest when we begin to notice that some of the things we were told to do might not bring us the contentment that we were hoping for. Let's not forget that the only animals living that long with their caretakers humans are not really getting a sense of life before we are liberated from the cage that the family home actually is so as we are young adults we're really at the same stage that the giraffe is just moments after being born trying to stand on our own feet and so as we do so we obviously take the steps that our parents have taught us to take. And so we could say maybe that during that time, somewhere in our twenties, is the time we learn how to properly walk and to walk the path that they laid out for us. And so it happens that we might get into our thirties when we start to feel that maybe didn't liberate us and that the costumes have been outgrown they're not feeling comfortable anymore and that's where the agony of mismatch might begin hence the beginning of the quest let's come back to where i started two points that i wanted to address as a way to just look at why on earth anyone would need to do therapy my personal journey with a therapist that um, started at a point where i was 100 percent in what i was describing there i had started out down the things that were expected of me and then come to a point just after the beginning of my 30s so i think this was probably 2012 so i was 32 and I was at the stage where I didn't ask the question exactly, should I do therapy, but I was seeking answers to my personal agony within the, let's say, surroundings that I had, so the friends that I had, and obviously having that advantage (laughs) of having studied to become a psychologist, I had other people with that same kind of profile around me, and therefore seeking the answers close to them with them and it was when one of those people who were my best friend at the time said to me i don't have the answers maybe you need to actually seek professional help and the reason for that was of course that the people that are around us whether it's our friends our family it's not their place. It's not their role. One of the reasons is that they're not objective in how they answer us. The same way that parent might not be objective in diagnosing an illness in a child and that it's easier for the doctor to do so, the doctor being impartial. Our friends and family will try to help us maybe. But coming from their own personal perspective, and then also coming from the perspective, and this one is important, of how they see us, how they know us. They will enmesh their personal experience in what they say. They will flavor their advice with that, of course. And also with what their hopes are for us. That might be unselfish, but they might be also selfish. They might be wanting all the best for us, or maybe there's a a deep desire to see us not succeed. Who knows? So this is why it is important for us that when we begin to feel that we're on this journey of understanding certain things about ourselves, the quest, trying to understand maybe the suffering that we're experiencing, the people that are in our life can only be there for a part of it and also because it can be really heavy for them to carry and we might also feel certain discomfort with putting a lot of that weight on them. So if there is a person who is impartial, who we pay to actually sit there and listen and who doesn't really know us from before, then that is a far better way to unload some of the stuff. Now, this also means, of course, that we come to this quest with a heaviness of trying to understand certain things. And we might, for a very long time, as we go and see our therapist, our analyst, our counselor, our psychologist, our psychiatrist, come with a topic, now this happened, or how do I deal with that, and now I'm back in this again. And so it can feel A little bit like when we go to the doctor, that we need to come there with an ailment, a symptom. And then there will be moments where we go and we don't really know what to talk about. I want to take the opportunity to mention my online program for you. It's a program dedicated to healing all kinds of typical illnesses that we find in modern days from chronic fatigue, anxiety, digestive issues, weight gain, weight loss, insomnia, and everything in between. Now, I've put this together in a way that we assure success through three individual consultations with me, eight group sessions with a whole group, and educational material for you to digest whenever you and want to. We work on healing whatever you want to heal, take care of whatever needs seem to be unmet in your organism, or even without f- trying to heal something specific, finding the perfect routine that works for you. If you are seeking to find more balance in your life, if you keep yo yoing in how you're feeling physically, mentally, or emotionally, and never being able to really see how that stabilizes, then this program is for you. Get in touch with me, either through my website, yogisha.com, or send me directly an email, charlotte at yogisha.com, and we'll jump on a call to talk about it more. Thank you for listening back to the episode. And we might even feel a little bit anxious about the fact that we should have something to talk about. But the thing is, that is also where the magic happens. You see, as long as there is a pain that we really want to get out of, we are a little bit being like firemen trying to seize the fire. And when that fire isn't our main occupation anymore, we are all of a sudden free to explore the other parts of the house and then go into deeper parts of the quest. Because deep down we have tendencies, we have traits linked to all the things that we came into the adult life with that are coloring our perception in how we deal with everything. And they are not going to reveal themselves just when we are in this feeling of emergency of dealing with this one thing. Why am I suffering from this breakup? Why do I always feel triggered by my cousin's comments, why is my boss an idiot? (laughs) When we are coming at ourselves, not from this idea of trying to improve ourselves, but instead of understanding ourselves and become whole, then we are taking on another depth of the work. And this is why It is so important to make the difference between one type of treatment and another. My role is to be a sounding board to you so that you have a space and in that space you shall not be feeling as if you need to entertain it. You should be able to feel as if you could sit completely quiet and not being concerned with my judgment of this silence. It is, I've spoken about it before, the difference between being a support and trying to improve. It is, of course, also the reason why, in the ethics of the profession of a psychologist, There is this dealings with the money situation, the fees. Actually, in psychoanalysis, in certain types of psychoanalysis, there is a practice of, I almost want to call it donation-based fees. Which means basically that you could really decide a different fee depending on the patient because there needs to be an investment for the patient. They need to feel that it is a price for them to go but this price should not be detrimental to the treatment. There should not be resentment or a sense of urgency or pressure pressure in finishing the treatment because the price is too high but there shouldn't be either a feeling that the price is so low that it doesn't even matter what i do when i'm in session it is also the reason that i have personally had the conversation with different kinds of people around me who have very different professions where the money-making aspect seems very important, which it is, of course, because money is what makes the world go round. This is how we pay for a roof over our head and food on our table. And so some people would say that you should increase your fees. But I stay on this topic of ethics, which is that I rather have someone feeling comfortable With what they pay me in a fee, so comfortable that that would not be an issue to continue for a very long time. And I'm not saying this as a way to make the person stay with me for a very long time. Because in that sense, we could also look instead and say, efficiently, double your prices, triple your prices, and the people will stay less long with you, but you'll make more money. No, seriously, it is really a question of wanting to support the space that we create together where you, the patient that is, unravel the reality of your psyche, as Jung would call it. There is a reason that not everyone is interested in that profession. And there is an investment on both ends, the patient and the practitioner. If there is not a personal quest for the practitioner, as in me, of wanting to assist, to support this person, then it doesn't work. I agree on that. Then it is far easier. To be, let's say, a coach who is there for a very short period of time, who can be extremely efficient in what they're doing and very good at it and invested with their um, clients. I'm not saying that they're not, but it is coming from a different perspective, coming from how can I improve this person's situation by giving them tool A, B, C, and D in this amount of time transformation and thank you and goodbye, I'm setting you out in the wild to now do it on your own. And that can be extremely beneficial. Just look at the success of Tony Robbins, right? He would not be able to charge the enormous amount of fees that he charges for his events with such huge audience if it wasn't successful, right? So, I am not um, disputing that. I'm not comparing. I am just explaining that the work that is taking place is completely different and the motivation from the practitioner, the profession, professional, is also coming from a different place. And I believe that We would completely lose ourselves if that changed. And it's, of course, because it also kind of stems from the role that the priest had at one point of confession and the role that the oracle had, the the sage, the wise person, even further back, before are structured religions. Their role was not to really improve. Really, if we would look at the oracle, it would be to sense something, right? Connect to a higher reality, to see things from an objective perspective, deliver that message and then leave the person to interpret that in whatever way that suited them. And they would, depending on where they were on their own path of individuation at that time, they would let them go and deal with that. And they might come back at some point. So it's really important not to think that you take on the journey of the treatment as dealing with one thing that isn't working in your life. The one thing that isn't working in your life is what motivates you to set off on the quest of the hero's journey, of individuation, of self-realization. I can't help but relating to the path of yoga. Very often people come to yoga for a specific reason, which might be A specific quest of feeling unhappy and knowing that people who do yoga seem to be more content. Or it might be an ailment, a physical ailment. It might be health reasons or it might even be the wanting to be part of a community. Or maybe even having a reason to put on yoga pants instead of just wearing them at home. However, it's not as if you say to yourself, oh, right, now I'm flexible, so no, I don't do this anymore. Once the flexibility has started to settle, you begin to unravel other parts and you begin to go deeper into it. Now, see, this is where your life starts to enrich and, I don't know if you say that word, to become richer, (laughs) but because we live in this world where we have this idea that I have a problem, I need to fix it. Now, I see this with my patients all the time. Charlotte, we need to deal with this. I have this problem. How do, why is that not solved yet? Almost as if, what's wrong with me, you know? I've had that many times as well. It's not working, it's not working. And I can hear the agony, the panic in their voice, and I have to tell them, Are you making this mean something? Like, there's something wrong with me. Or, even better, of course, projecting it on me. You're not giving me enough feedback so that this changes. Your work isn't working. As As a word of reflection, Carl Jung, once again, I often speak of him because I find that he's just amazing and it's extremely difficult to understand. So please don't think that I've understood his work because (laughs) I wouldn't be I would be a little bit too bold maybe to say that but for instance he said one should never think that man can reach perfection he can only aim at completion not to be perfect but to be complete that would be the necessity ...and the indispensable condition, if there were any question of perfection at all. For how can you perfect a thing if it's not complete? Make it complete first and see what it is then. But to make it complete is already a mountain of a task. And by the time you arrive at an absolute completion, you find that you are already dead. So you never reach the preliminary condition for perfecting yourself. And I think that there's so much in that and there's one of the things in that, this belief of perfection that is holding us from simply enjoying the life that we are living. Early on, we are being taught without us consciously thinking it may be, but that we need to achieve a certain number of goals and results in order to be there, whatever there is supposed to be. And so this can be education, job, partner, house, car, social status, children, dog, cat, whatnot. And so as we are on the journey of achieving all of this, we are constantly aiming for when we will be there. And the thing is, we'll never really get there, right? And then let's say we come to the point where we're there in the sense that we have achieved all those goals. And so this is why I'm saying that, you know, it's somewhere maybe in our 30s where we're beginning to feel like, okay, I've done, I've checked the boxes, And then all of a sudden we feel this void, we feel this emptiness. Because the thing is, all along that journey, we were never present. All of the work, all of the achievements, we weren't really there enjoying them. And so we're there coming now in this point where we've got the things around us, but we've never practiced being with them. We've never really enjoyed what we're doing while we're on the journey that we find ourselves in this position where it's like, and now what? And that is often when the agony comes on. And there will be a time, if you're in therapy, where you say to yourself, now is the time that I stop. And that might be because you don't have a symptom that you want to treat right now, that you're starting to feel as if you don't know what to say when you come and see your therapist. And me as the professional on the other side, as the way I see it personally, is never there to say, no, we shouldn't stop. This is you. This is like the oracle giving you the riddle and then sets you off. And depending on where you're at on your journey, you will have an interpretation that might be one or another. But the decision needs always to be yours. So if you're feeling that way, then do it. However, it might not be the reason to take action and stop. But that you can only know by yourself. As it's why I always tell as well my patients that we start when you want and we stop when you want. That is all up to you. However, when you are in the treatment there is investment, there is commitment. There is a weekly meeting point. Otherwise, the work is not being done sincerely. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to this podcast and this episode. I am very grateful. If you enjoyed this and you think that other people could enjoy this, please help me to spread the word. Share this episode on any channel that you have of social media or messaging. And even more so, I would really appreciate if you know one other person who might benefit from my words today specifically. Take that one minute it takes to simply share this episode with one person. Remember, that there's a human being on the other side of your phone of your ear pods of this microphone and i would love to hear your thoughts on what i've been talking about so please leave a comment send me a message directly if you wish this is charlotte this is me see you next time namaste